Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome, TTB community. I am Bob Demena, and here with me, as always, is the incredibly earnest Elliot Chibley. Thank you, Bob. You're welcome. So we really thought we were going to get through one of these news, these travel bites, without talking about COVID, so but it is still it is still relevant and is still here, especially with the Del- Delta variant roaming around. So that'll be our first article, and then we'll get it out of the way. We'll talk about Delta variant and how it relates to travel and what some countries are doing to prevent it from coming. Then we'll get into a luxury cruise and talk about that. That's going to be a really fun one. Uh, we're talking about the Boeing airplane that crash landed in Honolulu. We're going to talk about a flying car. We're going to talk about a four-day work week. We're going to talk about galactic Galactic civilization and the individuals that have just recently gone to the edge of our atmosphere and space. And then we're going to talk about Intrepid, another cruise article. And then the last one we're going to, yeah, the last one we're going to talk about is how the airline industry is improving this year. And there's some really interesting changes and we'll kind of go through each airline as it relates to those improvements. Yep. Yep. And, but before we do, let me just run through what we have going on behind the scenes. So one very big announcement coming next month. So tune into the Traveler's Blueprint next month for a pretty cool partnership we have going on. Uh, what you can do right now, though, if you're interested in travel, you're getting ready to do book your own trips. We have a few things that we've created. We spent a lot of time on that can hopefully help you plan your own trip. This is all stuff that we use personally, and essentially what we did is just make it available to you, our listeners, if you choose to do it. We have a journal that allows you to organize your trip, um, write down the notes, write down confirmation numbers, itinerary information, and essentially build the itinerary that you want, you need for your trip. It's a journal. It's a PDF. You download it once, and you have it for every trip. You can reprint it for every trip you do from this point forward. Um, We also offer courses. We have a a video course. It's a five-part video course that Elliot and I spent time creating together. Yep, and it actually got featured on in a magazine as one of the best master courses of 2020. Yeah, incredibly flattering, right? And it's essentially Elliot and I going through the process that we've used to create our own itineraries. Uh, There's like an animated version of us. We break down urban navigation, airfare booking, uh, cultural norms, social social things at at this country, things like that, safety, and essentially it helps you understand the country, understand the definition, and put that into an itinerary. To me, very helpful. I use this process that you see in the video course on my own. I'm doing it right now for Rome and Morocco and Paris. So this is not like, you know, made up. This is how we do it on our own. You can go to our website and you can check out the courses or the journal. But if you want to take it a step further, you can actually hire me to do your itinerary for you. Uh, That's always an option. I'd be happy to do it. I'd be happy to sit down with you on Zoom, talk about your trip, figure out where you want to go, what you want to see, how much money you want to spend, and just kind of help you, push you in the right direction. It would be my pleasure to do that with you. Um, Lastly, we have a, a... travel uh sorry tour guide keschler out of philly our home city if you're finding yourself on your way to the city check him out on our website book a tour with him his tours are exclusive to our site and we appreciate you considering using him he appreciates it as well he is a very very knowledgeable about the history of the city of philadelphia so he's going to be a great guide if you choose to go that route absolutely all right so our first article delta variant so Delta variant is now accounting for nearly 60% of all U.S. infections, and that is coming from the CDC, and it has been detected in more than 100 countries. 
Yeah. Uh, so Switzerland, Finland, and Qatar are all starting to allow more travelers in in recent weeks, but others are imposing more COVID-19 restrictions to kind of prevent Delta variant from taking hold and getting a foothold in their country. Yeah. Yeah. And it's concerning. It's concerning, obviously, from a health perspective. But if you are looking to travel and you were planning to go towards the end of the year when we thought things were picking up, you now have something new to worry about. And But ultimately, I don't see any indication of full closures yet. I don't think Italy's going to close or any of those major European tourist destinations are going to close just yet. But I would expect masks to come back in those nations. And I would expect very strict regulation around vaccine passports. So there's, oh, I should I should have wrote down the name, but it's something called like a green pass in Italy that I've been paying attention to that I think we're going to have. You're going to have to upload your vaccine information to that, to that platform uh, before you can be accepted. But what I'm seeing is you need the card. So laminate it, save it with your passport. I've heard not to laminate it though, because oh, I think really? there may be booster vaccinations that they're going to have to write on that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's a thank you for that information. Yes. And I didn't laminate mine yet, but Good. I mean, this document is now just as important as your driver's license, as your credit card, as and your passport, passport treat yeah. it as such. Right. And so, and bring that with you if you decide to go. It does suck that it's just a piece of flimsy cardboard and you can't laminate it because preservation purposes are not going to be kind, you know, to that. And I think we should all be aware of this. The, the information and the science is changing. So make sure you're using useful resources like CDC, NIH, the places that are actually studying the Delta variant. Uh, It seems like this the Delta variant is going to be most impactful to be to travelers that are unvaccinated. So if you have your vaccination, you will likely be okay to travel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. If you don't have the vaccination, you absolutely will have to be required, from what I understand, to get the PCR test at least three days. But it's just there's going to be more hurdles for you. So if you don't if you don't decide to do it, just make sure you do the additional research and know what you can and can't do, where you can and can't go. Yeah. Um, and again, if you're vaccinated the options are going to be, you're going to have more options and it's just going to be an easier process. So just make sure that whatever option you choose to go, you know what information you need. This, so this next article about the world cruise, uh, I don't know if anybody else has seen this, but this caught our eye and we had to add it in here. There is a luxurious 132 night world cruise. The average ticket, right? Oh no, the lowest ticket, the the cheapest cheapest ticket ticket is 73,000. Holy! And the most expensive ticket is one hundred and ninety nine thousand dollars. So almost two hundred, almost two hundred thousand dollars for that's for the master suite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, but look at all you get. Yeah, I still no, you don't get enough in my opinion. <laughs> I'm not spending seventy three thousand dollars for one hundred and thirty two nights, but. I can understand. I mean, if you have the money, by all means, go for it. It's thirty four thousand five hundred nautical miles, sixty six ports across 31 countries uh sounds like an incredible trip 31 countries and four continents mm-hmm. yeah yeah now i'm sure that this is like the nicest cruise ship you could possibly go on i don't know much about cruise ships or cruises in general but i'd hope that bob we all is... know that your preference isn't to never go on a cruise Working but this is it. the one i would yeah yeah you would would you spend seventy three thousand dollars? i don't know i mean you're going to Central America, Hawaii, the South Pacific. You're going to Southeast Asia. You're going to the Middle East and the Mediterranean. Even with all the – so as the $73,000 price tag, you still get 442 free shore excursions, and you're going to 61 different UNESCO World Heritage sites. 
Like it is, it, if you have five months to take off, if you're in between jobs and you have 73,000 to burn, <laughs> that's might the, not that's be the, the it might not the be catch. the most economical decision, <laughs> but you're going to some pretty awesome places. Yeah. And if you prefer to, to travel in luxury, you know, me personally, I don't need the luxury aspect of it. The countries. Yeah. Amazing. 132 yeah. nights, all those countries, all those ports, all the UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Sure. Amazing. Um I don't need the massages and the high-end meals and the Michelin star chefs and all that stuff. Personally, <laughs> I don't need it. Of course, I'd like it. But uh, yeah, no, but it's pretty insane. I'd love to see the list of the people who took this cruise. Maybe there's, you know, celebrities yeah. on there, I'm sure. Well, and that's the one thing that we didn't add in here is how many tickets are there? Yeah, I don't know. I, we, I did see that the 73,000, all the tickets sold out within three hours. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I mean, well, must be nice. I, I, I don't have $73,000 to spend on one ticket. No, you don't? No, no not at the moment, but you know, <laughs> one day when this podcast blows up and uh, we're, we're rolling in the money. But until then, I'm going to stick to... No, I don't even think I would do it then. Style. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Um, are you ready to move on? Yeah, we are. Okay, next... Next one, there was a Boeing 737, 200 cargo plane. It made an emergency landing in the waters of Honolulu. Everybody's okay. And yeah, there were only, only two pilots because it was a cargo plane. Correct. Two pilots were the only two on the plane. They lost control of their engine, and they crash-landed. They rescued one off of the tail, I think. He was on the tail of the plane. Yeah. So one survivor was seen on the tail. The aircraft was carried out of the water by the rescue helicopter and airlifted to a Honolulu hospital. You know... For airplane crashes, it couldn't have gone better. <laughs> not, yeah. not only did everybody survive, there weren't well, a lot of people on the plane. And this is kind of what happened to Tom Hanks. Well, I, <laughs> not to Tom Hanks. Do you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about Castaway? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had to land in water. Right, he was, he was a pilot on a cargo plane. Wasn't no, he, he flying? Wasn't pilot. He wasn't a pilot. No, in Castaway, he was a passenger. For FedEx. He worked for FedEx for whatever reason. Oh, that's right. That's right. And he was a passenger, and he wanted to save the boxes. That's such a great movie. It is. Um, But yeah, the other other pilot was sitting on some of the floating packages. Mm -hmm. The other one that I'm thinking of, though, is the guy in the Hudson River in New York City. Uh, Also Tom Hanks. No, uh, Denzel Washington, I think, played him, right? No, I don't know. The the one in the Hudson was Tom. Really? You're thinking of Flight. Flight was Denzel. Mm, Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway... Uh, feel good story ish. It was a Boeing seven thirty seven, which <laughs> are the ones that the two hundred though, not the Max. Okay, okay, yeah. All right, number four. This one is fun. I mean, our parents talked about flying cars the back Jetsons, in the day, man. Yeah, yeah I know. I the Jetsons. That's what this kid. is. Yeah. So it's a hybrid car aircraft. It's called the Air Car. It's got a BMW engine and runs on regular gas. Mm-hmm. So Pretty, yeah. The, the video, if you haven't seen it yet, Google flying car video. There's tons of videos yeah. of this thing in the air. It's incredible to see a car. It's a car with wings. Yeah. And, and it, it actually folds down pretty compactly. It looks like a, it honestly looks like a Hot Wheel that I had when I was a kid. Um, but it takes, it only takes two minutes and 15 seconds to transform the car into an aircraft. I'm not sure how long it takes to transform it from an aircraft to a car. Though. <laughs> so, and it flew 600 miles at a height of about 2,500 meters 8200 feet well it can it can it can the, the test i think it's only done 40 hours in the air so far okay a top speed of 106 miles per hour carries two people with a weight limit of 
200 kilograms or 31 stone. Yeah. Which this is a a British English article. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it cannot take off and land vertically. So it is not like a helicopter. It needs a runway. Yep. And uh, let's see, there's about an order of 40,000 of them in the United States. Yeah. And what I don't understand and what I don't know, and maybe this will be an evolution in the process of the flying car is, do you have to have a pilot's license? I assume you have to. I mean, we can't just have these cars flying around everywhere. Are they going to be taken off from like local airports? Is is anybody going to be allowed to drive them? The logistics of having to fly around. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need an airport, right? Are they are they going to be low flying aircraft? Yeah. How loud are they? There's Mm -hmm. there's so many questions. Interesting. Interesting. It's an interesting um, way to go because I I thought us I thought of us skipping over this. I didn't really see us as going the route of manned flying aircraft. I was under mm-hmm. the impression we'd probably go towards autonomous electric aircraft. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, right, Uber's been developing those inter intercity and inner city, basically autonomous air taxis. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what I thought. It would be like two to four passengers, and it would be a VTOL, vertical takeoff and landing, Mm-hmm. and it would just carry people from like one building to another building mm-hmm. and instead of being like tesla's boring company it would go through the air rather than under the ground mm-hmm. yeah eh, we'll have to pay attention to that i'm sure we will be in the know yes All definitely right. we'll be the first to test it <laughs> moving on to something that is incredibly pl- applicable to elliot's life and mine too uh, absolutely <laughs> everybody been, could work a little bit less I think. i've been reading these articles since i started working yeah, yeah. And so, but I think this is a significant one, a significant study. So in Iceland, if you haven't been made aware yet, Iceland conducted a four-day work week study over the course of 2015 to 2019. I don't, I guess they just recent, recently released it because I saw this everywhere, but it had incredible success. Uh, you saw people that had increases or the same productivity, regardless of the four or five-day work week. And this included 2,500 workers of various industries in Iceland. The it, something like a side bit and something I found interesting: 2,500 workers is one percent of Iceland's work. Almost, population. yeah. But <laughs> Iceland's small. They are. They're very small. Yeah. Um, promising results, right? Very well. And this and, reminds me of the study that New Zealand did a few years ago. I don't think it was, I don't think the New Zealand study was to the same magnitude and it was only a few companies, but it was basically the exact same results. And we've seen these case studies happening Mm -hmm. more frequently where it's like the four day work week. I mean, you're not working as much, but because you're not working as much, you're more productive with the time you have. You're not spending time doing little things in between because you have more time to do those after or outside of work. Yeah, I, I I have a lot to say on this. This is something that I followed as well. So one of my questions about these studies was, you know, once you have a population go to four days from five days, will they eventually, will the productivity taper off and be four days worth of productivity versus five with the five days that it was, right? So you, you decrease efficiency in the long term because the novelty of working four instead of five wears off and it becomes normal. So people kind of level down to the four day work week. This is saying that did not happen. And what I think is happening, this is all me just theorizing and thinking about what could have happened. Well, you're, you're a smart dude, Bob. You might <laughs> you be increase, right. Well, you know, your, your employees, your workforce's mental um, state is the foundation of their work. 
right? Yeah. They need to be in a good mental state, be it happy, happy to produce more for you. And so, I mean, let's yeah. talk about that for a second, right? Sure. I mean, one of our very first episodes was with Florence Williams of The Nature Fix. Mm-hmm. She actually went to South Korea, which is one of the most productive nations in the world. And yet they are not that happy. And that is right. because they don't, they're working so much. So they have actually created these, these stress-free like nature parks that actually help you, I guess, restart, refresh, and get to a reduced stress level. And that's what the four-day work week is all about, yeah. is re- keeping your stress level low, which makes you more productive. Right. And it keeps your mental health me, better. Right. Yeah. And, and that's it. And so many, I, I mean, so what you're seeing are countries in Europe adopting this and, and or at least acknowledging that there's something there and moving forward with their own studies. In the article, there was a few countries that they listed that were looking into conducting these studies on their own. So we have it happening in Europe. We have it happening in Australia, New Zealand. America will be the North America. The United States <laughs> will be the last country to adopt it. You like how that one? It, it shrunk. Um, yes. We will be. And, you know, I've said this before. There's something to show for our productivity and our dedication to working. We have a great economy. There are a lot of amenities that we have the privilege of enjoying that I enjoy all the time. It's there. It, and it's tangible. Like, we do see the the fruits of our labor. But are we happy? Not as happy as we could be. And mm-hmm. what's the trade-off? And I think what you're going to have is some people are going to find different trades off, trade-offs. And, and they're going to want to work less. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, we've seen that recently with the with basically everyone in the service industry just not returning to work. Right. Yeah. And And happiness and working hard are cyclical. Right. So the happier you are, the more dedicated you'll be to the time that you're working, which makes you happier because you have a purpose and you're working, which then you get the time off to recover and be happy, which allows you to work harder. And, you know, I think yeah. that there's something there. And and in America, in the United States specifically, we don't acknowledge mental health with the same importance of physical health. When, right. in fact, I think mental health might be more important depending on the type of job I think you it have, is. right? So, I mean, actually, regardless, you need to have a good foundational mental health to be a good worker. Well, so, how does this relate to travel, you ask? <laughs> good question. <laughs> if you're only working four days, that gives you a 50% increase in the weekend that you can travel. Mm-hmm. And if you split that up, you could potentially get a four-day week, four-day weekend if you're working Monday to Friday and then the yeah. next week. Sorry, Monday to Thursday, then Tuesday to Friday. More time to travel, more time to explore nature, more time to spend with your family. I I hope we go this route. And, you know, we're both in our 30s. Um, you're <laughs> right, you're right. When it'll get adopted here. You're, you're 30 now, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. So, <laughs> all right, let's let's move on. We talked about that one enough. Um, so this one, I, I imagine everyone's been following the news on this. Uh, yes. I, it, it's hard to miss it. So Bezos... And uh, Richard Branson. Branson, geez, thank you. Mm-hmm. They both, uh, Branson didn't quite get to space, but Bezos did, correct? I thought they both breached or they both on, okay. where it's technically out I, of space. I, I never know that what, the, what the technical limit is. But yeah. anyway, it's not a regular plane. Uh, Richard Branson with Virgin Galactic, he took a flight and posted a bunch of stuff on social media. They did like the zero gravity stuff. It was really cool. Yeah. And then two weeks later, uh, Bezos went up in his rocket and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just yeah. very exciting. We're on the, 
uh, I guess, the age of space tourism. Yeah, space tourism, right? So there's that aspect of it. Like, And I mean, in just the advancement of civilization, the contingency plan, if we can colonize different aspects of this or areas of the solar system, we can have a backup plan if something happens to this planet. But well, if it doesn't, that's more tourist destinations. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so, the, but the tourism thing is cool because this is obviously a brand new uh, line of tourism. And I'm curious yeah. to see how this takes hold. And, and it's it was rich people, you know, and that's, it's definitely soon, going soon. To, yeah. But eventually yeah. it may, I mean, right. Just normal traveling was really dedicated to rich people 60, 70 time. years ago. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. now, I mean, I think space tourism, right, is not going to happen in this century, but space tourism could eventually be available to the masses. It will be. Yeah, it's, it's, it is going to take time. When we had uh, the the author of the Astrotourism book. Um, uh, Valerie. Lin- yes. She was talking about the expenses of having to do it. And it's just too expensive at this point to ever really go below the, I think it's like $200,000 a ticket right now. Mm-hmm. Which, so now what do you choose? Do you go to outer space or do you go on this crazy cruise that we just talked about for $200,000? Uh, so it's, it's, it's you could pay $200,000. You want to spend... <laughs> Yeah, two hundred thousand for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> or visit all the countries. I mean, you could see all the countries from space. Ooh, good point. Good point. Yeah, you don't yeah. quite get the same cultural aspect, though. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else on that one? No, I think that's good. <laughs> yeah, um, it'll be interesting to follow, though. Oh, the one thing I wanted to add here is that NASA, right before Bezos uh, did his launch, is that NASA changed the definition of what an astronaut was. And an astronaut now is any crew member aboard NASA spacecraft bound for Earth, Earth orbit, or beyond. Wow. So an astronaut is only NASA-specific. Yep. So Bezos cannot call himself an astronaut, and neither can anyone on Virgin Galactics. Oh, that's kind of messed up. It's kind of messed yeah. up. But I do like it from a enticing people to become NASA astronauts. Like, it kind of... It adds value to the term now. You know, you're yeah. working for NASA. You're yeah. not just some billionaire who's creating a rocket ship and launching. Them yeah, you still They're sort of. So I think they changed it as as a definition of something you earn rather than something you buy. Yeah, not that, like not it. that, like not it. that Branson and, and Bezos didn't earn the right to be able to go into space. I mean, right? They spent right. and researched all that money, but mm-hmm. now anybody, as soon as that's available for space tourism, they could just you know, fly up to space and never have done anything. It's the same people who take a helicopter to the top of Everest and didn't actually hike it. Right, right. No, I like it. I like it. All right, uh, back to a cruise. Uh, you can win a cruise now with Intrepid, the travel uh, agency. It's an 11-day cruise to Antarctica for two. Not, not 132 days, but still pretty good. Pretty good, especially for free. So it does have cool amenities like a gym and spa, library, heated saltwater pool, jacuzzi, and yoga classes. And to and me, this this cruise is actually really enticing because it stops in Antarctica. Yes, and that's what it's for. So you're going to have expert guides on the trip. They're going to be they're going to help you with marine biology and, and glaciology, which is so cool. And Antarctic history, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, and so we talk about Shackleton. Shackleton, yeah. We can talk oh. about Remember last month, Fords and, and glaciers? Oh, yeah, and bites and sounds and yes, all that yeah. fun stuff. So um, the way to enter, go to their website, Intrepid. Uh, just Google them. I don't actually know their website at the top of my head, but Google Intrepid Travel Agency. And you just need to submit your your information and information by September 30th. The trip August. leaves. I thought it was August. No, the trip is September 30th. Oh, I'm sorry. You have, to, you have to enter 
you have to enter by August 23rd, Eastern time, 10 a.m. Okay. All right. And uh, yeah, so if that's one something you want to do, I might do it, actually. Why, yeah, I, why not? I yeah, I haven't, uh, I just you do have to be 18 years or older and a legal resident of the U.S. or Canada. Okay, you are? I'm all those things. Yep. Good. Yep. All right. All right, moving on. Last article here. The airline it's, industry it's got a lot of info in it. Mm-hmm. They're improving. They're changing. Uh, and what that means for your next flight. So just to kind of take us back really quickly, April 2020, just 87,500 passengers passed through the TSA checkpoints across America. So that is a a 95% dip from 2019. It's crazy. It's By crazy. spring of this year, in April 2021, the TSA screened more than 1.5 million people. People are eager to travel. The yeah. prices have reflected that. I don't know, you know, if you're look, if you've been looking at travel, the prices absolutely reflect that. But what you have now are airlines changing things up, changing the planes that they use, changing the destinations that they they uh, have available. And so we're just going to run through, I guess, some of those, not all of those, because it was pretty extensive. But um, so so we have Delta Airlines, JetBlue, and Southwest. They are all flying two new aircraft types: the Airbus twenty twenty, the Airbus A. 220 and the Boeing 737 Max and United also has the Max too. So they're just more fuel efficient airline. They're airline airlines than older jets making airliners them more economically feasible. So hopefully that makes yeah. prices go down a little bit. I don't and they and I mean and actual tangible improvements are larger overhead bins, so better yeah. storage. You're mm-hmm. not going to have to fight for that. Better entertainment systems and ideally smoother rides. Yeah. Right? Trying mm-hmm. to limit those bumps through the turbulence. Yeah. I hate turbulence. Uh, who who likes turbulence? I mean, maybe it's like a roller coaster to them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, United also has launched 26 new domestic routes linking a lot of Midwestern cities like Milwaukee and Columbus to coastal areas. So mm-hmm. whether that's the East Coast and West Coast. They have new destinations. Yep. Uh, JetBlue has announced its first ever transatlantic flight with service to London Heathrow from Boston and New York. And there are more low-cost airlines taking off. I think there was pun intended on that. Hmm. Uh, Italy-based Ego Airways is launching in March or launched in March and has flights to 11 cities, including Bari, Catania, and Florence. And this summer, the Norwegian Upstart Flyer, I assume that's how you pronounce that, F-L-Y-R, plans to expand from its home country with flights to Spain and France. That is good to know. If you're traveling to yeah. Europe once you're there, to have more options other than Ryanair is pretty cool. So. Yes, definitely. So we have some awesome guests this month. The yeah. first so the first of this month is going to be James Asquith on traveling during COVID and some in, some insight on the airline industry and travel in general as it relates to business. Jaunty on saving a lost language of circation and creating a language learning platform called Optolingo. And then our last guest is Michael on how you can travel more often for less. So Mike and Michael and Bob had a very similar uh, thought process or have a similar thought process on travel. And the last episode of the month is our travel around table series on the rev- relevance of history to travel, which Pretty was a good, phenomenal, man. phenomenal yeah. discussion. And it was really provided a lot of insight and in how to basically add another aspect to make your trips so much better. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening to the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. We we genuinely appreciate you. Um, I know that every podcast host say that, but we check you know our download numbers, and when someone reaches out to us or mentions us, Elliot and I text it to each other. We get all giddy, like we're super excited because um, <laughs> it's just nice to see some sort of recognition for the work that we put into this. And so, thank you. Every every little comment or email or whatever it is, like we notice, and we it it makes us so happy. So. Thank you, because that means that you like what we're doing. Well, and a specific shout out to Catherine. Thank you for telling us that her episode was screwed up a few weeks ago. Yes, yes. We've been having some technical issues with our uploading process, and that's happened a few times now. So we are now religiously checking all of our episodes as they update, and we don't catch them all. So again, shout out to you from Georgia. Yeah. You and, and, you know, it, we do we do make mistakes. Elliot and I both work full time jobs and we have, uh, you know, I have a kid. So it's it's hard to do this, but we love it. We genuinely love it. This is this is the coolest hobby that either of us have ever had. So oh, yeah. when you guys show support, like it just goes such a long way. Um, and so by liking, by sharing, that's probably the best way that you can continue to help us grow. Yeah. And, and to uh, be honest, we when we first started this, we said the the we knew we made it if we got a, a terrible review on iTunes and we got our first terrible review of not well we shouldn't say it, they didn't actually write anything they just right. gave us a one star rating and yeah. that's okay yeah. and I think we have now have a two and a three star rating as well and listen you know we're not perfect we deserve some of the bad reviews and the, not every away, not everything we'll we take, say you're gonna like no and we'll take them into consideration and we'll do our, our our part to try to be better so thank you thank you for listening thank you for being fans fans of the show and tune in next week.